Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dope Black Podcast. Uh, this is the Dope Black Dan Podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison. I'm here today joined. Uh, the weather has increased uh, even more. So last week, my weather watch, uh, as I was saying, it was minus seven. The sun is out and it feels like it's about 10 degrees. I don't need my big, big coat. I have my medium coat wearing outside. But I'm joined today by Marvin Critchlow. How are you, Marvin? Yeah, no, I'm well, thank you, brother. I can't, I can't complain. Like you said, yeah, looking outside, it makes me, it lifts my spirits when I see the sun. So I'm in a much more positive mood than I've been over the last few weeks. Listen, look, this week here <laughs> is, is, is what I like Britain to be. Cool, but bright. Mm. I can handle that. I don't, I don't need 30 degrees. I'm, I'm happy with it being like jumper weather. But what I can't take is the darkness. The darkness was, was killing my mood and my vibrations. I'm a very vibrational person. I'm not sure if you've noticed, Marvin. <laughs> I need vibrations. <clears throat> so this week we have all had our peace interrupted by uh, the attack of the cat. Um, and it's been a really interesting thing to observe. Like, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So if anyone doesn't know, Kurt Zuma, the football player, uh, uh, he's a France international and plays for West Ham. Um, and he was filmed by his brother. His brother actually plays for Dagenham and Redbridge, actually. Um, uh, attacking, kicking, throwing, hitting a cat, his own cat, his family cat. And the family member, the brother, was laughing. And it was in the witness of his child um, as well. You saw this. And the video comes out and there's outrage, rightly so. It, I Look, I for me, I... In my Vipassana, the connection to all living things. I don't kill flies, mosquitoes, moths. I kill nothing. Um, and, I, and it's become a thing of like really preserving nature and life. It means a lot to me. Um, and so I understand the importance of that video because people do that. It's a thing. I've seen, I've seen videos online on those like old school viral Facebook pages where it would be like someone putting a cat in a bin and closing the door and putting something on top. You know, this just how people treat animals with complete disregard and they can't obviously defend themselves and they can't communicate. So, you know, I watched those animal shows. It, ironically, I turned on my TV yesterday and um, Paul O'Grady, who used to be uh, Lily Savage, um, was on there in a dog's home, like bringing dogs in. And I was really looking at how people neglect them, how some of them were ill, some of them had lost a significant amount of weight and had been underfed. And all that stuff, you look at it and it does, it does move you. It's like, well, that's not okay, man, at all. So I think we're clear on animal cruelty not being okay and being punishable also. Um, what was really interesting, though, was 
the scale of the outrage. And I've I saw more white people responding to this at every level of society with clear outrage than they would ever do from clear clear evidence of racism. And you know, it felt like and it's really interesting because someone tweeted yesterday that all of this outrage for Kurt Zuma and a cat but we didn't get half of this for when Mason Greenwood was recorded and his audio was going around we didn't get half of this for all the racial incidents that have happened in football especially in the last three four years and there is this thing where like I think black people know that white people love animals more than them like we know that like we that that doesn't surprise us in terms of like we know that but when it is presented to you and you see it and it's comparable it irks you in a way 100 percent. yeah go on no i can see no i completely agree and sometimes it feels veiled it feels like they're able to get anger off their chest that they have towards us anyway being footballers being rich being successful being famous and now they can attack us because they're using the cat as as the reason whereas actually they're just getting to express how they really feel about us um, mm. And yeah, it is. It's a hypocrisy, you know. As you said, you know, cruelty to animals is wrong, but mm. we didn't have the same energy towards towards racism. Do you know what's wild though? Someone was like, um, "I don't know how you treat animals in your country," and you're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. That's what you mean." <laughs> and, you, and you know what's really wild? Yeah, is like. Uh, this is funny because I, I, I clearly I've been on Twitter too much, but there was another black woman, and black women are always bringing perspective and clarity in ways that we just can't. And she was just like, um, "You have such energy for for this cat and for all of this that's going on." And I can't remember what she said. It's just left my brain. Um, but there, there is just this really clear line about how people feel about us and how we feel about animals. And I think there's just this like passion for it. And it's constant coded language yeah, of yeah. the hierarchy of care in society. And in essence, there are more cats and dogs in white people's homes than black people would ever be. So inherently, they have no affinity or awareness to the depths of our existence. But they really understand a cat. Yeah, yeah. They really true. understand that a dog. Is, yeah, yeah. And they're like, this this dog is my friend. And mm. when I was ill, it came and it licked my tongue. <laughs> and I, I felt better. Yeah. And you realize that the challenge between what racism is and how it impacts us all isn't just about people saying the N-word and they knowing it's right or wrong. It's a feeling. Sure, yeah, definitely. It's an affinity. It's a connection. It's a care. And like you said, it's, it's coded as well. I think that I think that's what's quite deceiving. That it's a coded language where, as you said, someone can empathise with a cat better than they can empathise with um, Anton Ferdinand when he was racially abused by another player. Do you, do you see what I mean? It's like how how do you find it so easy to um, to put Bro, yourself John in the cat? Tw- John Terry is tweeting NFTs that look like monkeys based <laughs> oh, really? on black players. Seriously? Oh yo, he nah, did an NFT nah. for Willian. He did an NFT for maybe Hudson Odoi. And he did it for one other player. Nah, he, must, he must just be trolling at this point. There's no Yo, way. Yo, it's like... just basically a monkey with mad hair. <laughs> Each one of them are just a monkey with That's mad crazy. hair. That's mad. 
and there's like some ape hashtag in the thing. It might be connected to the brand and the purpose. Sure, I don't, yeah. I'm not up on NFTs, but Again, it's, it's the last it's person I want to be tweeting yeah. the word ape <laughs> mm. in relation to any black football players, is John, like the last, oh, I take anyone. Yeah. How, how did you experience it this week? How, how did it come up on your radar? I think when it happens, you just feel like, all right, here we go again. Like there's something else. Like with Mason Greenwood, again, you know, not condoning any of his actions, but there is, there is such a hatred and a vitriol towards that type of um, behaviour, which you don't see um, on other issues. And but that we understand because you know that is that is um, aggression and violence and you know these allegations of what he would actually done towards a woman that's abhorrent and that's wrong. But then, especially with the issues around Cressida Dick in the media at the moment, in terms of you know her um, her resigning as the chief of the Met. And also with things around Boris Johnson, you know, some of those white ring um, newspapers look for stories where they can detract away from, you know, maybe their base audience hearing the truth about about wider society. And something like this is a perfect scapegoat. And so as soon as I saw it, I thought, firstly, who, who records that? Secondly, how does something like this leak? And thirdly, you know, if this is going to set us back a few months, you know, it just kind of reminded me of the Euros and what happened there. And, and the other racism that we've been experiencing over the past few years. And I just thought those people, as you said, are speaking that kind of coded language. They're going to use this as an opportunity by saying that they're flying a flag for animals to, ta- to attack us and, and tear us down. I do think as, as a football player, you have a certain position where you have to be a role model because, you know, you are, you are in an elite position and lots of people are looking at you. But I do think, yeah, we, we should have seen the same energy towards racism. And to be fair, if we had seen the energy towards racism, we'd put our hands up and say, do you know what? People are angry at anything that happens. So rightly so, they should be angry at this incident. But to see that there's a bit of a barometer and now it's been turned up for, for animals and it was turned down for taking the knee for racism, then yeah, it, it, you can't help but feel bitter about it. It's the injustice, mm, man. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think there was also a, 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 there was a prominent Jewish academic who was on Twitter talking about um, how black people need to get over the N word. <laughs> and it's just like, why is this yeah, on your radar? Yeah, why, why are you yeah. holding? Mm. Oh, you know what it is, is that no one can be bothered to learn the framework for communicating to us. So they just reject the whole idea of giving any form of toss. And they'll come up with really sophisticated reasons why it's not okay well, it's okay to just say whatever you want. Sure, yeah, we should be yeah. fine. Mm. You know, slavery is over. Yeah, yeah, the N-word doesn't even yeah, mean anything. Yeah. They just have all of these yeah. lists of, of responses. And you know what's funny? I was, I was uh, I'm was i going to try and veil this as much as possible. I was on a, <laughs> what was I on? I was on a platform. That's <laughs> the language I was using. <laughs> and I was discussing a particular topic with somebody. And I, I respect them as a, as a good um, uh, broadcaster and debater of, of topics I actually really respect them and so I was talking about a subject and the midway through just cut me off and he was just like ah we don't we don't care because because and he just had a list a pre-planned list of objections and things to say that were contrarian he had no there was no desire to listen learn and engage it was just about saying disruptive things for clicks and i watched him do it and he did it three times in about a two hour and i just sat there and i was like nah this ain't for me mm-hmm. i'm having that a lot by the way okay i'm, yeah. I'm observing things and being like mm, that's not for yeah. me and i think what i i'm i struggle with is that to many people it's a game and it's never been a game for me 
Like if I'm gonna play a game, I'll play the money game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'm gonna play a game. Let's figure out trading NFTs, sure, Bitcoin, yeah, yeah. and let's guy invest in stocks. Let's like, you know, try and influence the market. Let's try and get ahead on the uh, automation of electric vehicles. That's a game. Yeah, 100%. Me walking down the street and being yelled at by this Italian guy in a van because I've parked and a little bit of my car is sticking out and he doesn't feel he can get by. So he just goes on to be like N-word, your people this, your people that. That's not a game. Yeah, we're not playing that. Yeah, we ain't <laughs> playing that. That's not a game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so I think uh, what what I hope for, what I hope for is in these moments that people come together and think, you know what, that isn't quite right. And I watch the people who defend cats viscerally sure, yeah. while black people are sharing the impact of that passion not being give to, given to black people. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's even... You know what they what came out about Charing Cross Police Station and some of the some of the jokes and some of the things that the police officers were saying in the WhatsApp group. And you're thinking these are people in uniform that are meant to serve and protect us and that we're meant to be able to rely on in in the moments of you know serious challenge or threats to our life or anything like that. But this is this is what they're they're still people, even though they wear uniforms and they're police officers, they're they're still people and they still have some of these views. And again, it's just yet another reminder that we are treated like second-class citizens, unfortunately. And many people, as you said, don't want to believe that. They think we're exaggerating or we won't let go of the past. But it don't, you, don't, you don't have to look far down the rabbit hole of Twitter or, you know, in what's in the media to see those veiled, coded messages where people are actually saying, yeah, we, we don't like you. And inherently, we think we're better than you. And so us having such a hard go at you is us saying, if we were in your position, we wouldn't do that because we know better. Mm. Um, so it's back to the supremacy again. I think, like... We need to get on to Cressida. I refuse to say her last name, but we need to get on to Cressida yeah. because I feel like... <laughs> you know what it is, yeah? Oh, this is wrong, but I can't say it any other way, yeah? You see when we talk about patriarchy structures and what that creates, and basically what that is, yeah, is like peak masculinity. I think it's called homogenic masculinity. Is like... Is everywhere. So everyone aspires to this idea and we all gather around this idea. And if you're far away from it, let's just say you're a femme man, you're a black and brown man, you're low, lower on a socioeconomic um, um, rope. And so therefore those people don't have, they're not white cis male who are, you know, generational wealth and I own half that building that you work in, all that kind of stuff. They're not those men, but the ones underneath who chase it, they create a lot of the toxicity because they don't have the infrastructure or the support or the even the knowledge to do it in the way that these these two percents do it so they end up creating like shortcuts and you know horrible advance for everybody so this element of patriarchy where everything has a male gaze to it and then you find out that a woman has a role and i think about three prominent women who have held incredible space in society and had an amazing chance to build a balanced view of society I think about Margaret Thatcher, I think about Theresa May, and I think about Cressida. Yeah? And all three of them feel like archetypes of the same thing to me. Okay? I don't have the academic knowledge to go into the archetypes of feminism, but, and I know I should shut the hell up, but (laughs) there is something about, where's the Dawn Butlers? 
just I'm trying to think is there even someone in the in the conservative party that's just that's just a person yeah yeah I get what you mean I don't I don't yeah. actually I'm not saying that as a woman you should be I'm saying but I know so many different types of women where are those women on display in leading society and so I feel like these these types of women the three I just mentioned become the archetype of women who can hold those positions and they perpetuate the exact same conditions that were already in. Like, if you swap Theresa May for David Cameron, do you know? Do you do you have a clue? Can you tell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I think, like, this is where the conversation doesn't work because they're architects architects of an of an of an idea about conservatism. And it, it has no personality. It has rules and values that everyone just adheres to, irrespective of what they truly feel. You don't get the person. You don't get the nuance. You don't get the texture. You don't get the experience. You don't get a maternal point of view. You just get a per, you just get a person that's a new face doing the exact same thing over and over again. And then I just think like this is where I'm disengaging in politics in general because I'm just like this isn't this isn't going to make any form of change. And like you said, there's, there's no warmth to it as well. And I find, especially with, you know, all the people you mentioned, it's the doubling down when you know you're wrong. It's the mm. doubling down. It's saying, you know, we're not going to investigate the down the street parties. And then, you know, there's public outcry. And then you, you turn back, you say, well, actually, we're going to. Like, you've lost points there. <laughs> or, you know, with what happened with, you know, Sarah Everard and Wayne Cousins and stuff like that. Mm. And, you know, maybe not having the strongest response. There was a whole vigil in Clapham Common where they were like roughhousing women as though it was like they were like football hooligans or something like that. You just think, yeah, you've got no kind of sensitivity. You, you couldn't read the room, I think is it's kind of like what you're saying. Like there was no ability to read the room and have the appropriate response to the appropriate action. And then, yeah, you just lose public favour straight away because whereas people could have warned to you, they haven't because the moment when you could shine, you didn't. And now, you know, they're, they're, they're done with you. And I like what Sadiq did because Sadiq kind of gave her a march orders and said, in light of what happened in um, Charing Cross, we want to see your your plan of action. We want to see what you're going to do about this. And I think, yeah, she probably just jumped before she was pushed, to be honest. It sounds like, and this is my, so Nadine White is a journalist for The Independent. She's my favourite journalist in the universe because she has what my mother has, which is to communicate blood clartisms okay, in right, blood yeah, clart yeah, ways, yeah, yeah. you know? Mm. Like she, I can, there was one tweet that she had that was fully in Patois <laughs> and I was like, yo, take me out yeah. to dinner. <laughs> she is just like, I, I, I actually am a fan of her observations. So anyway, so I'm following her and I'm watching her and she's like, the, the mayor a couple of weeks ago asked her for what her changes were going to be. And she gave a list of recommendations and he said, it's not good enough. I'm going to give you a week and then come back to me with a plan. And she came back with a plan and he was like, this is rubbish. And then he summoned her to his office. And then she said, I have nothing else to say. And so she quit. Do you know how mad that is? Bro, I don't, I don't know about your job yet. But even in the companies I own, I don't have that yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I yeah. can't talk to... Are you mad? <laughs> they would bury me. Mm. I can't talk to people like that. You, like, people saying to me, like, look, this isn't working. And I just sit there and be like, well, this is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you know, you're the head of the police force as well. So it's not like, it's not like you're in a back office somewhere. But yeah, you're in a position of power. 
and yeah that's that's your that's your response that's disgusting bro we like and maybe this is like an impact of of being black where you don't have that chest because you know and mm. also, our people would slap us yeah. if we tried to. True. I beg your yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Ain't no so look. You she could be receptionist, yeah. or he mm. could be a receptionist. They could be in HR. They could be whatever department you want. You talk to them in a way. Mm. Yeah, they're gonna let you know. Yeah, they're yeah. gonna let you know. Yeah, it won't be definitely. okay. Okay, Mr. Johnson, I'm so sorry that I didn't have your mm. file on type. They'd yeah, be like, yeah, I beg your pardon. Yeah, what? Exactly. Nah, nah. <laughs> they're getting up. Yes. <laughs> and look, I think like. I think uh, I, I think about the the audacity of, of a, yeah. a Cressida um, to be that bad at your job and to be arrogant enough to be like your changes. You're not making any changes. We believe in the Met. The Met hasn't been working. I don't think at any point for all Londoners. And I think whenever it's been challenged post Stephen Lawrence or what is it? Is it the Stevenson inquiry or uh, McPherson? McPherson. Yeah, McPherson pool, yeah. All, all the different reports and inquiries. There's a David Lammy review. There was all these different things that have been done and they've been very resolute in attempting to make any form of changes. So we know what that is. We know what type of people that they historically have been hiring and people that hold leadership in that country and in, in that organisation. And so at this point where they've enacted violence against a woman in Sarah Everard, general just travellers and revellers, at, at uh, Charing Cross, plus the two black women who were. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Who were recorded and mocked and had photos taken of them, plus everything else that we're present to. It's un- it was untenable for her to still be there. But bearing in mind in that time, she's also said things like there is no institutional racism in the Met. And it's very unhelpful to have this type of dialogue around the work that we're doing. Just no accountability, just the worst type of human being. So for me, I'm going to be honest, like I just, I'm so glad to see her gone. What I worry for though, is what takes her place. Exactly. And and even they've mentioned the police officers who were part of these WhatsApp groups, they've gone on to be promoted. Because I think this happened in like 2016, 2017. So effectively they've gone on to be promoted. They've moved to other parts of the police force and they've probably influenced other people with this same type of mindset. 
So yeah, even if you, it's like you can take off the head, um, but like Hydra, another one's going to grow in its place. Or, you know, there mm. are other people around there propagating this and they might not be at the top, but that, that view, we know it exists in the Met. And you wonder why black people say, you know, the, the, sometimes the last person they want to call in the situation is the police because you could be the victim of something, but then mm. you call the police, they're going to be looking at you. You know what I mean? So I think, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't help with the race relations of this country. And even that report that we had last year where it tried to minimise the kind of the institutional racism in the UK, all of these things, I think it's funny how with those McPherson reports and the Lamy Review and others, that we didn't really take the recommendations of those seriously. But then when we got a report that kind of proved the angle that they wanted to see, all of a sudden they think, yeah, that's the report that we're happy to have. All the ones before it, they were outdated and they're no longer relevant. So I think, yeah, I'm glad... I like you, I'm glad to see the back of her, but I do worry about what happens next and the type yeah. of world our children, our children are going to grow up in. I, I, I do think you're, you're a public servant. You, you care about the world. You, you've joined, Would you ever become a police officer? Would you ever join the force? Hell, the no. Met? Hell no. Do you know what's funny? Yeah? I, I didn't even know if I should say this, but um, I was working on a project once at work. Um, I wouldn't say where I was working at the time. No, mm. Yeah, I was working on a project at work and they um, we were interacting with the police in that project. And even with meeting the police, I felt uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable in my professional capacity <laughs> meeting with police officers yeah. because it's real. Like we've all had or know of, you know, um, negative experiences with the police. And what I found interesting is other colleagues felt the same way and they, they weren't black men. So, so there was this general feeling that sometimes the police feel, feel a bit superior to everyone else and they look down on people and they have negative views. So one, I was kind of comforted that, you know, I wasn't the only one that felt that way. But secondly, I was invited to do a ride along with the police and drive around like a local area. Yeah. And I was like, I can't be seen with the police. Like, like mm. I, I just can't. If I was seen with the police, I'd be in WhatsApp groups that day, like look at this, this Ruster informer. <laughs> I'd, be wow. on, I'd be on some Instagram pages or something. Like it's just, it's, you know, there's all of that that we have to think about, like kind of subtext. So um, yeah, for me, there's the reason why I wouldn't want to be in the police force. So I cannot see myself being in the police force is knowing one, the history of how the police force has been towards black people. And two, that even being on the inside, it won't make much of a difference because we've had black senior police officers and we still have the racism racism we have in the Met. So I think although people step in there with the best of intentions, yeah, you know, you, you can easily become part of the problem. And yeah, for that reason, I'm, I'm out, man. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. It's a shame. You're going to be a, a miss to the force, Mark. We're going <laughs> to miss you. <laughs> um, the other thing that was on my mind was uh, Isaiah Rashad. I'm, you know, I'm somebody that I'm, I, I really am in a space of, I just want to be free. Mm, yeah. I, I, I have come to realize that my freedom can still impact people because people, you know, want you around or, you know, what they want to feel, they can say, feel safe or feel close to you or they need you for something. But I'm like uncapturable, ungovernable, just, I just exist. I like going where I go. I want to flow. I want to be whatever. And so ever since that journey started about five years ago, it's really interesting here because when you tell yourself you could do whatever you want, you just don't. Mm, yeah, true. It's really interesting. When I, when I used to be like, I can't do this. I can't. I used to try. I used to creep, used to creep out of me. It used to be like, just find yourself <laughs> like, I have to. Yeah, Whereas yeah. like now I'm like, no, I just, I can if I want to. I just choose not to. It's just a different mentality. And because also it's just like, in your freedom and your happiness, you're settled. I'm not reaching for nothing. I don't want nothing that's not mine. I'm not, you know, you just, it's a bit freer. So 
w- one of the things that I observed, and this is about five years ago, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, is just that like my reconciling with LGBTQIA people and homophobia. And like being raised at a time where homophobia was just casual. It wasn't even like race specific, culture specific. It existed, it permeated everywhere. Just TV shows, you know, the like hip hop, like every everywhere there was just yeah, the, like just no homo. Yeah. And mm. like, you know, but, uh, I think I think Only Fools and Horses has some outrageous stuff. Okay, right, yeah. So anyway, you know, we, we, all this exists. And then I'm like, I, I, everyone that I know who is a part of the community, I'm like, you're dope. You're actually one of those people I ever know. And I could never figure out what it was. What I became close to understanding is if you go for a, a period where you deny yourself and then accept yourself, this is my understanding, by the way. I have no formal understanding. This is what I've interpreted from what the conversation I've had. You've denied yourself for a period of time because society tells you it's wrong or religion tells you it's wrong or your friends or your parents tell you it's wrong. And then you overcome that and then you accept who you are is one foot is very traumatic, but also there is a freedom yeah. when you are safe. Yeah. When you feel safe after, so whenever uh, people from the queer community are around other people from the community, they, when I watch them, I'm like, this looks like gangbusters. There's like a code of language. There's a reverence. There's a love. And I'm sure other things happen that I'm not present to for sure. But I'm saying in the general discourse, there's a lot of security and safety and freedom that happens in that space and so i've always just had a thing of just like i want I, I would like to protect i would like to make it no longer normative mm, yeah. to be oppressive to lgbtqi people sure, in my space yeah. and i actually want to make it so much so that you wouldn't even dare that level and so Isaiah rashad we don't even know what his situation is or what his awareness of what he's he doesn't put any language to it is what i'm saying and so there is a video going around of him performing a sexual act on two men. It's now been out in the world. People have seen this. And it's so interesting because the original response, the first response that I saw, the wave of like, oh my God, we can't believe it. This is wild. He's obviously signed to Kendrick Lamar's label, TDE. Um, an incredible artist as well. It's so weird to talk about him in this context when he's actually an incredible artist, but he's known to have like challenges with mental health. He's talked about suicide before, drugs and alcohol. And you just think to yourself, maybe those things are related. Maybe, I don't know. But then you just think to yourself like, what if he's happy? What What if he's actually happy? No one, no one bothered to ask. It was just like, oh, it, was, it wasn't presented to me. I, I discovered it. So it oh, immediately yeah, becomes yeah. sordid. Because it, because it wasn't presented to you as a fan of his music. And I just like, I was so disappointed. Anyway, so I log off. I'm, I tweet something. I go away and I come back. And the mood had changed. It was really refreshing to hear people talk about, I'm happy, for, like, you know, is he okay though? We don't, we don't care about that part. You tell us if you're telling us. Also, it's like, he could be gay. He could be bi. He could be bi-curious. We have no idea the context. So like giving him a narrative and a meaning outside of his well-being, it's just like, it's just like, it's unhelpful. It's just like, it's just all those things. So I was like disappointed, 
But I just thought about the person who released that information to the world. So he's been forced to let people into sure, his life exactly, before yeah. he had had the opportunity to find the words and the expression of what it is that he's going through. And I find that just violently, violently betrayal, just violent betrayal of people's safety. And I just think, I don't know, like, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on those types of things? Because revenge porn for women is way more established. So people just get used to it. But I think with men, it's a bit like, whatever. Yeah, and I, I think it just shows you the privilege that we're, we're born into. Like, one thing that I became very aware of over the last two years around things such as Sarah Everard um, and, you know, many of the injustices that women face is that although I'm, I'm black and I face racism, I still have, like, that male privilege. And I guess there is that, like, that cis male privilege as well. Being a straight man is a privilege that you feel and you don't acknowledge. One of my favourite people that I like to listen to is James O'Brien from LBC. And what he says is people born with privilege, um, equality feels like oppression. And I think that's how it sounds sometimes. When you hear people judging others for their lifestyle choices, you know, or even for the way that they, they were born, they might not even feel like it's a choice. They feel like they were born this way. Um, that oppression just feels like, no, you can't appreciate that there's people different to how you are or view things in a different way or have a different lived experience than the one that you have. So yeah, for me, I think, you know, especially within hip hop and especially within music, it is very like heteronormal in, in that regard. Like, you know, it's, it's accepted sometimes for women to be, to be um, gay or queer and you know it's almost seen as though men like that and men will entertain that but yeah when it comes from a male perspective there's a lot of negativity towards that and just in terms of how can i say it like in terms of um, percentages there's going to be people in that industry that that are going to be are going to be gay are going to be bi or they're going to be curious but they're not able to express themselves because they know the backlash they're likely to receive if it was to come and i think that's sad that people as you said they can't afford to be their true self because of the impact and the effects it's going to have and what I liked, I mean, sort of a while ago now, but I don't know if you remember when Frank Ocean wrote that open letter. Um, yeah, and I thought that was amazing because, you know, Frank Ocean's dope. Like, no one can argue with that. Um, and I don't even know if his, if his songs were, like, gender-specific when he, when he used to sing about a love in his, in his life. But when that came out, people just kind of accepted it and they didn't find fault with it. And it, from what you said, it sounds like the same thing's happening with Isaac, um, Isaiah Rashad as well. And if that is the case, I think that's good because that's where we need to get to. We need to accept people in, in all their forms. In my mm. opinion, I think there's something that's different when it's hip hop versus R and B, which mm. is a shame. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think it's different um, because he's speaking about love, yeah. and then I think then it just becomes an act of sex. Like a lot of times when in homophobia is presented as like it's just about the sex, and and they they make it about one particular act or a few particular acts, and that's the whole experience. And I think that's really sad and and a part of the the miscommunication of what it is like it dehumanizes people when when that happens yeah definitely so i find that a challenge but i, I look i don't i would love if the, we need to have this conversation with someone from the community presence i would love to be able to expand on that as an as an occurrence like what it must be like or what the experience or the impact is when you're trying to process something so huge and then people just present it to you to the world without you sure, fully yeah. getting a grasp of what it is yourself um and I do think there is a quite a toxic culture online anyway right now. I think people are looking for, you know, fulfillment, justice, mm. one-upmanship, just like to sure, feel yeah. good about yeah, something definitely. at the cost of whatever. And so I'd also like to announce that uh, Nelly and Little Fizz also had the male genitalia out on the internet this week. <laughs> and I, I just think, Nelly. I didn't know about Little Fizz. <laughs> yeah, Nelly posted, this is why you know I'm on the internet too much, but like Nelly... I think he got he some he accidentally posted a video of someone. Yeah, I think it was a story or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you just like little fizz is just like 
having orgasmic experiences live. Like, I don't okay, want right. to see yeah, yeah. four members of B2K <laughs> ejaculating on my timeline. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's not appropriate yeah, at all. Oversharing, yeah. Yeah, just like, what is, what is going mm. on? What are people doing? It's just too much. <laughs> Why are you recording? Wow. And you know, sometimes when they say it's an accident, like how it accidentally leaks, that's, that's, yeah, it's not, I don't think of an accident. Ma- Marvin, if you ever hear the sex tape of Marvin, you know it's a lie. Because if anyone got a camera out near me, there's we ha- I, the, the yeah, phone's going yeah, in the bin. Yeah, there's problems. It's actually yeah, like exactly. I don't, I don't trust no one on the planet to not put that shit out of one day. Just like whenever it'd be the point where I'm about to get called Sir Marvin exactly, Harrison, yeah, the and then they put it out the day before. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's me just being like, "Fuck Queen Elizabeth." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I just, I just think like. You, 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 telling people stories is such a violent thing Definitely, and, and yeah. I think it'd be really nice if we just had some discourse about how we deal with those things so I think it just has to happen because these people that do it need to be held accountable um, and also there's no threshold of integrity of anything on any level so it's just a bit of a thing the last thing I want to talk about because we've got five minutes before I, I, we have to go um, I can't remember what the hell the last thing was well the last thing was is that there was a CEO of co-op and it's a mother and this woman, uh, she has an incredible career in retail. She's done like Matalan, Asda, whatever. And she has decided to take three months off of work, like three months to help her sons with their, what do you call it? Their preparation for their GCSEs. This is incredible. And I really wanted to commend her for it. And then I carried on reading the article and I found out that she earned 1.4 million pounds last year. Okay, and I was okay. like, ah, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That privilege again. That privilege. <laughs> oh, there it is. Listen, if you see Marvin Harrison has built a school for his children, oh. but last year he earned 35 million pounds from a deal that da 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 You'd be like, yeah, that's dope. But also like, all right, bruv. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We get it. It's if not I have 35 minutes anymore, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll build a kid's school yeah. for my kid too. And I just think to myself, like, um, it's amazing what you have in what comes to mind when you have economic freedoms. You my, 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 Marvin, we give you 1.5 million for your dividends for all your dot bad dad's podcast. <laughs> if you ever get that, by the way, I I'll be over the moon for you. But it's, it's not coming. Don't yes, expect it. <laughs> you get 1.5 million mm. for all the great work that you've done. What are the changes to parenting that you would do and the changes to your life that would happen of that 1.5 million? I'm there 24-7. Like, that's it. I'm there like that. I think, like you said, it's the financial freedom. So you knowing that you want to be around your child all the time and you want to nurture them and grow them and ensure they become the best adult possible. Yeah, I'd be there. I'd be there. I'd probably, I probably, I always think about this. Like, if money wasn't an issue, what would I do? I'd probably be a postman. I'd probably have a little village. I'd walk around from like, maybe like 7 till 11 drop a couple letters, you know, hello Doris, hello Ethel, you get me, like, I just do my little rounds, <laughs> do, do my little rounds, and then, yeah, I'm back home, and, you know, I'm going to, because I need something to keep me active, but, yeah, I'll be fully present, fully accessible, and active in my child's life, um, and, and for other people as well, you know, anyone else that I can, I can reach out to and support, and, and yeah, I think it'll be the same, what, what would you do if, if you were in that position? My reoccurring daydream, yeah, is a couple of things, first and foremost, my dream environment is, my dream day is that I wake up, early six i have fresh fruit laid out for me mm. i work out i have a trainer <laughs> yeah. and someone that it stretches sounds, it sounds me. a bit like um coming to america <laughs> yo i have dreams Marvin. Yeah. I, I, I want fruit 
I want a massage. I want to have an amazing shower in one of those incredible walk-in showers. Then I want to have like an amazing conversation with someone that I love deeply and care about. Just like a deep, good conversation to start there, a connecting conversation. Then I want to go out and I want to hang out with my kids. I want to play and I want to chokeslam my son. And I want to figure four leg lock my daughter and play with them. Then I want to go to work and I want to do four hours of something purposeful, meaningful, transformative, just good stuff. Then I want to come back and I want to pick up my kids and play with them for two hours. I want to have the best dinner I've ever eaten. Then I want to go and have another amazing conversation. Conversation could be interacted or swapped with other things. Conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Conversation. And then I want to have a nice sleep. I want to wind into my evening with like a book or just something selfish, self-interested, meditation, yoga, something, and go to sleep and have the best day. I want to create that day every day. That, and I think me and my children would just travel. I fantasize about this all day. It's my reoccurring thought. I just want to go and take my kids and go to different countries, hang out with dads and their kids. They do school on the road. They have a tutor. We're just living and discovering and meeting real people and just helping people wherever we can. That would be like the alternative version of that. Because I think, you know, more time with my kids. Like I think Will Smith talked about raising his children through examples. And he just, he just had this thing of like, I want them on a set with me. They'll learn more with me than they will in any school. And I really believe that. So I would love to be able to live in that space. But um, 1.4 is not that much. But, you know, for now, mm, yeah, that's yeah, what, that, that, that's what I mean, my that, dream That covers is. those three months that she needs. So, yeah. That's- <laughs> <laughs> that would be sick. Um, we've got to go because you got to go and i got to go. We're going to a meeting. So uh, everyone that's listening, we have a male retreat that we're doing mm, for Dope Black Men. And um, yeah. we, we've invited, uh, we've actually got about 70 men on the list now, which is amazing. And uh, they're, they're all going to come down and we're going to do a 24-hour retreat. And it's about discipline, structure, consistency, sharing. It's a really good environment. And so if you're listening to this as a man, and make sure you reach out to us somehow and find out how to get invited. Because on the 14th, so on Monday, we're doing the shortlist, a long list, shortlist, and then uh, some reserves. Um, and then we're letting people know who can make it um, from that point. But I'm really excited uh, about you have no idea what's happening, do you? No idea. I'm, I, I like it that way. It sounds sounds exciting. I think it's needed, um, especially off the back of the last couple of years we've had. And yeah, what, what's better than a space for dope black men? So yeah, looking yeah, forward yeah. to it. You have no idea. You get, you get to keep on your clothes for basically ninety six percent of the okay, time. Fair enough. I can work with that. Yeah, that, and that's a real thing, by the way. That's what I'm saying. It's not. A joke. It's not. It isn't what you feel. Few minds are thinking, but it's ninety six percent of the time. Uh, thank you so much, Marvin. I really appreciate it, and I hopefully catch you soon. Yeah, um, we got. Me as well, man. I think we're due a, a in person meetup. We should probably do a dinner. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, down do, for that, I'm doing a black leadership dinner, which mm. is fun. Um, so you should come to that. Actually, I forgot. I don't. I, again, my inviting people is worth bad. <laughs> <laughs> telling you now. <laughs> When's the dinner? When is it? I have no idea. I'll, I'll get. That's I'll, cool. I'll, I'll get. I'll out. get. Yeah, that's I'll get Brad, Brendan to send it to you. I, I think. I think it's. Uh, uh, I can't remember. I can't. That's it's it's soonish. Yeah, no way. No, I mean, I'm down. If I'm, if I'm free, I'm there. Yeah, no Sick. problem. All right, then, bro. I'll speak to you soon. All right, man. Take easy. Dope Black Podcast. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 